1: On today's broadcast of Times of Refreshing with Pastor Napoleon Kaufman.
2: Jesus said, follow me. He wants to be the priority, and I love my kids, and I love my, my team, and I love... But listen, Jesus has to become first in my life.
1: Yeah, it's a simple command, two words to be exact, yet it demands a radical transformation in our lives. Hello, welcome to Times of Refreshing with our teacher and pastor Napoleon Kaufman from the Well, a Christian community here in Livermore, California. We're in Matthew chapter 4 today, verses 18 through 22, where we see this two word command follow me. And that's the Command that is extended to virtually everyone ever since Jesus uttered those words here in Matthew 4. So, what does it mean to follow Christ? We're going to find out in depth. Join us. Here's Pastor Napoleon now with today's program.
2: He didn't just have the destination in mind, he had transformation in mind. And I think this is important. A lot of times when we hear when Jesus says, Follow me, he's not just talking about the destination getting to a place. He's talking about transformation because in the midst of following Jesus, Jesus begins to do things on the inside of us as we're experiencing him along the way that transforms us. And we see this through scripture. He begins to deal with self he begins to deal with culture, the cultural bondage a lot of times that we have when we come to Christ, things that we grew up around and we just think is normal may not be normal when it comes to the kingdom of God, when it comes to pride. Following him, it, it also involves getting freed from our pride, biases. A lot of us, we have certain you know, areas and ways in which we think about people, sometimes even people groups. And Jesus, when you follow him, he's going to begin to break those things down. Fears. You know, as you're following Christ, as we're following Christ, Christ is dealing with our fears and getting us to a place where we understand and value true faith in him. And we learn to trust and rest in who he is and, and what he's capable of doing in our lives. He begins to deal with lust. When he's saying, follow me, he's not just talking about the destination. He's talking about transformation. The Lord begins to deal with certain lusts that we have in our lives. And I'm not just talking about lust from a sexual standpoint. Some of us, we can be lustful for things, houses and cars and this and stuff and stuff and stuff. We can be lustful for stuff, but following him, he begins to deliver us and transform us and help us to get free from self. Anger. All these things, jealousy, envy, hatred, unforgiveness, build bitterness. The false view of who we are, rejection, following him and following him, he begins to not just teach us about the destination. He begins to teach us about transformation, that he's in your life and you're following him so that he can take you through this process where we begin to give up who we are and embrace who he is. And this is what he wants in our lives. His direction, ultimately, Jesus' direction in our lives, it frees us. It frees us. There's a freeing element in quality to following Jesus. that It happens to us. As we're following him and we're taking his lead, in the midst of this, he begins to free us. And I think this is so important. I know, I know personally I've never dreamed that I'd be sitting here doing what I'm doing right now. Never in a thousand years. But following him has caused me to get free from some, some of the stuff that I thought were my dream and begin to embrace his dream, which is far better than my dream. Do I have a witness in this room? And so for all of us here, we have to embrace this. When when he's saying this in the Scriptures, and we're going to study some passages here, when he's saying this in the Scripture, we got to see it's not just the destination, it's transformation. And Jesus Christ is doing all these things along the way. And the more we follow him, the freer we get. The more we follow him, the freer we get. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. uh, This is the first... Passages of Scripture in the New Testament that Jesus says something about following him. And we pick this up in verse 18. And we're going to look at verses 18 down to 22. He says, And Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee. He says, saw, He saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew's brother, casting a net into the sea. For they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me. And I will make you fishers of who? (laughs) They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them and immediately they left the boat and their father, and it says, and followed him. What I've done here in this study is basically cited... In the book of Matthew, and then also one passage in the book of John, instances where Jesus used this, this he, where he said this to people, and from this, I want to draw truth from the context of these passages of Scripture. So for, the, for the, the context here is, the context of this passage of Scripture, and just write this down, the context is the context of our service with him service with him. He says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. He's saying, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And what I wrote down here, this is interesting. I said, you're going to fish, but just in a different way. Follow me. We're going to serve together and you're going to do it In a similar fashion in which you've done it before, but you're going to just do it in a different way. Your perspective is going to be different. And the way. And I think sometimes when we're following Christ, we fail to realize. Now watch this, you guys. That there are things about you that God can use. Fishing wasn't a bad thing in the sight of God. Sometimes when when we're following Christ and we're walking with Christ... I think sometimes we think that, okay, there's nothing that I have in my life or nothing that's of value to me that is useful for the kingdom. But I want to say on the contrary, these men were fishermen. Jesus knew they were fishermen. He prayed all night before he went out and chose each one of these individuals. He was being divinely directed to get these individuals, and there was something about them that was good or necessary that was as it was just turned in the right direction was going to be useful for the kingdom of God. And I think every single one of of us in this room, your experiences do matter to God. Your experiences, they have value to God. And God can use a simple fisherman, change his perspective, and cause him to go forth and fish for men and gather a harvest of souls for the kingdom of God. That's how God thinks. And I think sometimes when we come to Christ... We don't realize that God, all your experiences before Christ, God can use them for his glory. And he's not come after you. He's not pursued you. He's not had people sharing their faith with you. He's not had people giving you tracks in the grocery store. He hasn't had people praying for you and fasting and people consecrating and pleading before God. God, save this person, save this person. Because you don't have anything of value. There's something about you that he likes. There's something about you that he can use. He doesn't need you, but he wants you. And he'll use certain areas and aspects of your life to promote his kingdom, to advance his kingdom, and to see the glory of God revealed in and through them. And for these fishermen, fishing wasn't bad. Jesus just helped to turn the light on. You're going to fish, but you're going to fish for men. You're gonna run, but now you're gonna run for Jesus. You're gonna think, but now you're gonna think for God. You're gonna possess, but now you're gonna possess for God. And what I'm saying to every single one of us in following Him, we have to realize there's certain things that He wants to use. Stop thinking He can't use certain areas and aspects of your life, they're good. They may need to be sanctified. They may need to be processed. They may need to be, you may need to be broken down so that you don't trust in them and begin to trust in God. Amen. There may be times when God takes that away from you for a season so that you learn to rest in him. But he'll bring something back into your life. But what I'm saying to everyone, if these nets weren't bad. They, he just had to give them the proper perspective on why they ever were using those nets. Everything was necessary. Everything's important. So in following him, we must, we must always think about... There are certain things about your personality that are good to God. Some of you are strong-willed. Why not be strong-willed for God? Instead of telling your boss and your spouse... And everybody else, y'all can't make me do that. I'm not going to do that. Why don't we tell the devil that? Devil, I'm not doing nothing, you say. I'm walking for Jesus. I gave my life to Jesus. I laid my life down for Jesus. I'm not going to the club. I'm not hanging out drinking. I'm not doing what I used to do. I don't have time for that. Devil, I'll use my strong will against you now. Can I have an amen? And God will empower you to do that. Some of us, we don't realize there's certain aspects that just need to be sanctified, set apart for God. God can use, but what we do is we think that that God can't use it. Yes, he can. These fishermen were, were, it was okay. I just want to show you, this is what Jesus is saying, follow me and I'm going to show you how to fish the right way and fish for the right thing. Amen? That is the context. Let's go to Matthew chapter 8, and this is also good. This context, just write this down, is the context of prioritizing him. He has someone to follow them in the context of a person realizing that they need to prioritize him. Look at this here. 18 verse on down to 22. And when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave a command to depart to the other side. Then a certain scribe came and said to him, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the fear of the air have nest. But the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Then another of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me first somebody say first. He said, let me first go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, follow me and let the dead bury, he says, the dead. Now, this is pretty interesting because here what we see, and like I said before, Jesus in this person's mind is helping him to see that when it comes to priorities, when it comes to prioritization, that he has to be first. And, and I wrote this down. People count just not more than God and his direction in our lives. Write it down. That people count, but just not more than God and his direction in our lives. Surely Jesus didn't have anything against the person who was, who was dead. Surely Jesus didn't have any, any problem. He understood the value of, of, of seeing a person buried. But there was something about this man's calm comment that in Jesus's mind helped him to see very clearly that that you want to do this first when I'm saying to you follow me first that I'm that I come first follow me should be the priority and I think sometimes for us we have to make sure that we're watchful in this and I'm I've been pastoring this church for a long time been in in full-time ministry almost 15 years I've been I've seen all kinds of stuff and it never ceases to amaze me how you can have a person that's saved, that loves God, and then they get connected to somebody. And because somebody is not prioritized, that somebody is not prioritizing God, this person will stop prioritizing God in the relationship. I'm not going to church today. Well, you know I usually go to church. Well, I'm not going to go. You know, and sometimes I get lonely, you know, because you're always at church. You know, manipulation starts setting in and a person will choose to worship God, to honor God, to do what they're supposed to do, do what they know is right in their heart towards God. Why? Because of the relationship. God, I still love you, but I'm going to do this first. So Jesus is hammering here. He's hammering in this man's mind and in his heart when it comes to priorities. He said, let the dead bury the dead. He said, you follow me. And I think what ha- what's happening with a lot of individuals, they will put natural ties before God. Happens with, with you know, I'm all for sports. I love sports. And I thank God for sports. I'm a, I'm a head football coach. And sometimes we have to realize that if our kids are always playing on Sunday, and I'm always missing church, Because my kids are playing on Sunday, I didn't step on any toes, did I? I have to ask myself, and especially if my kids are always playing on Sunday, but then I don't even show up to Wednesday night Bible study. Help me, Holy Ghost. What happens is we have to ask ourselves. Now, some people work on Sundays. I understand that. And there should be a place in us where if I'm working on Sunday, I'm going to find some way to be connected to my church. I'm going to find some way to get involved with the brethren. I'm going to find some way to, you know, to fellowship with the people of God. I understand that. But I think what happens sometimes is we're just the real issue is we haven't truly prioritized him in our lives. And when I say him, I mean all that, that, it, that it involves who he is. That's including church, being around the people of God, doing the things that God wants us to do for our spiritual growth. And I think we have to stop and ask ourselves, am I really prioritizing God? Because Jesus said, follow me. He said, follow me. He said he's, he's telling him he's trying to give him some new direction and help him to reprioritize in his life that this is out of whack. You want to do that first, but what should be coming first is me. And we do this in marriage. We do this on our jobs. We do this when it comes to relationships. We do this with our kids. And we'll use things as an excuse for why we can't just give our full devotion to Christ. And I think sometimes we think God understands, but God doesn't understand. He wants to be first in your life. He wants to be the priority. And I love my kids and I love my, my team and I love, but listen, Jesus has to become first in my life. And sometimes we lose sight of this. What happened, man? You were coming to church. You were faithful. What happened? Well, I just got busy. Busy doing what? If I promised you $500 every time you showed up, you'd be here. And I, and I say this, and I'm saying this around the context of church because, saints, one of the things that, that, that I talk about often, we, we have these discussions sometimes, is, you know, it's sad when people don't see, people don't value their spiritual life and the relationship with God as it relates to the church like they do their job. They'll, they'll, come, they'll show up to work on time. They'll leave late. They'll grind away. And, and the value that we placed on some green paper. Saints, do you know how? I mean, there's not going to be any money in heaven. We got to start investing in our spiritual lives. We have to start reprioritizing what really matters in our life. And Jesus should always come first. His purposes, his kingdom, those things that are valuable to him, they should always come first. And Jesus is helping this man to reprioritize, and he tells him, follow me and let the dead bear their own dead. This may seem harsh, but he's cutting to the core of, I would say, the human condition. And for us, we want to be individuals that look at our lives and say, how can we reprioritize and make sure that, that we That we put Jesus first because at the end of the day he's telling us to follow him in this regard. Can I have an amen? Amen. Let's go to Matthew chapter 9. This is also a good passage of scripture. Verses 9 on down to 13. The context of this particular passage of scripture is prejudices and bias. Individuals who are biased and they have certain prejudices in them prejudices in their life 9 through 13 look what it says and jesus passed on from there he saw a man named matthew sitting at the tax office and he said to him follow me so he arose and followed him now what happened as jesus sat at the table in the house that behold many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples When the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard that, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to what? Repentance. I think this is also important. You know, one of the things that, that Jesus does as we're, as we're following him, and I think this is also for the tax collector as well as for the Pharisees and Sadducees. As we're following him, he helps us to get delivered from some of our cultural bondages and things that help to, to ba- basically um, skew our vision and cloud our vision. So that we can't see clearly. Ultimately God's desire is for us to see people the way that he sees people. To see people the way that he sees them. And to get rid of these lenses that we have. There are certain people that don't like white people. There are certain people that don't like black people. There are certain people that do not like Hispanic people. But, But Jesus loves all people. And we've got to learn to start seeing people through God's lens so that we can be a blessing. Jesus is on the scene. And for the tax collector and for those who were sinners, the Pharisees and Sadducees, because they had developed the self-righteousness, they stayed away from them. They hated the tax collectors. Now, truth be told, some of you in this room don't like tax collectors. <laughs> but, but glory to God, amen? we got to pay our taxes. And so what happens is this. Jesus, when he looks at this man, he doesn't see them the way the Pharisees and Sadducees see him. And he tells him to follow him. Well, this, in in the mind of the Pharisees and Sadducees, this was crazy. These people are taking us, ripping us off, taking our money. Different things are going on, and, and they had an issue. But Jesus didn't have an issue. He saw through the right lens. That this is a person that needs me. This is a person that needs me in their life. This is a person that needs help. And my job is to do the best I can. To get them to follow me. So that they wouldn't just get to a destination. They would ha- experience transformation in their life. And this is what happens with this tax collector. And I think for all of us. As we think about this. Matthew. The same Matthew. Matthew. We need to think in terms of how can I reach somebody that the devil says is unreachable? How can God deliver me from any form of, you know, self-righteousness that I have that I can't reach out and touch somebody that the devil says is untouchable? Jesus, in in getting him to follow him, in his mind, there are things that he had to overcome because he knew that people didn't like him because of his occupation. And I think as he's getting free, the people around him, now Jesus helps these people around him to try to get free. When he begins to tell them, I'm not looking for those that, who, are, who are well, I'm looking for people that are sick. And we need to have some sick people in our lives. And what I mean by that is people who don't know Christ, people who are looking for God, who are looking for change in their life. We need people like this around us. Everyone should have some saints in their life and some people that do not know God that they're reaching for. Can I have an amen in here? And my prayer is is that they're black, that they're white, that they're Hispanic, that they're Chinese, that they're Korean. that that every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every people group is getting impacted with the gospel because there's people who have let go of their prejudices and they've let go of their biases and they've let go of the junk that was in their culture and they're saying, Lord, send me to somebody. I don't care what color they are. Can I have an amen in this place?
1: Thank you for joining us for Times of Refreshing with Pastor Napoleon Kaufman.